Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors. A bit heartbreaking, a little bit encouraging, very fun game, but overall a disappointing loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, first game of the Eastern Conference Finals, 108-100. to The Raptors, man, there was a lot of things to like from them in this game. Chief among them was Kyle Lowry's play. I mean, how long has it been? Maybe... Maybe over a year since we've seen a Kyle Lowry game like we saw tonight. 7 of 9 from downtown, 10 of 15 from the floor, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, tons of wily plays made. He drew a charge. He had deflections. He had steals. He was he was in it, man. This was a vintage, classic K-Lo game, as in Kyle Lowry over everything. And it's pretty disappointing not to win a game in which Kyle Lowry has this type of performance. I really thought that he was going to be the savior of the second half and the Raptors would be able to leave game one stealing it. Feels a bit like when the Raptors played the Cavs and they missed all those tip-ins last year at the end of game one and even when the Cavs played the Warriors in game one of the finals last year and they just couldn't close it out. J.R. Smith had those crazy decisions he made and yeah the Bucks they profile as you know, a very, very good team, and statistically, maybe even historically good. And the Raptors, it's they're not easy to beat. The Bucks, when they're healthy, I spoke on a podcast, the Buck the Trend Pod, before this game. I talked about it on Raptor Repu- Raptors Republic's own podcast, previewing the series. Malcolm Brogdon worries me. Brogdon, he was he was great in this game. I think he ended up with like a really great stat line. Yeah, fifteen points. Pretty sure he had the highest plus-minus of anyone in the game at plus 18. He adds a lot to what the Bucks do on offense, and he, he really makes them more dangerous. So the Bucks, man, and obviously Giannis and Tetacumpo and Chris Middleton, things like that, Eric Bledsoe as well, even though he had an underwhelming game. Kyle Lowry kind of busted him in this matchup for this game anyway. But, yeah, the Bucks, they're a tough team to beat, man. And... The Raptors, they, they lost a handle on this one down the stretch, and it is, it's a bit heartbreaking to waste a Kyle Lowry game like that. 
you know, they were sustained early on because of they, they had really hot start shooting the ball. The second half, that dropped off completely. I think Gasol ended up 2 for 10. I don't know that he made a shot in the second half even. His, I guess, passivity is definitely, this is, you know, I feel like I'm beating a, beating the drum one too many times saying this, but it causes problems for the Raptors offense sometimes because he's passing out of great shots into okay shots. And that's that just can't run because you're running time off the clock. You're allowing the defense to reset. And you're putting pressure on players when they should be watching another player take a shot, one that was created by, you know, a good offensive ideology or philosophy, let's say, is probably a better term, to create that shot. When you turn them down, it's problematic. But the Raptors early on, they were sustained by great shooting. You saw Norm Powell hitting threes. Gasol hit from downtown. Lowry, obviously, who finished, you know, shooting crazy hellfire from downtown, but he started out strong in the first half. I think he made three triples. Danny Green made one in the first half as well, as vexing as he has been in the playoffs, honestly, is a guy who had, you know, the the record for the most threes made in the finals before Steph Curry came and took it over. It, it was Danny Green. It's just, it's crazy to see that he can't shoot a lick in these playoffs. And that turnover where Lopez got the dunk on the break at the end, that was that was tough to watch. I keep getting sidetracked because the end of the game is obviously more compelling to talk about than the start. But I'll cap off the start first. So, yeah, the Raptors, I loved the defense they played. You know, I was wondering if it could last because it was taking so much energy for them to adamantly track Giannis in transition and always, always make sure that there was somebody in front of him. And not even just one guy, but, like, you're keeping, like, three guys and layering them in so that if he goes right, there's a guy to help. Goes left, there's a guy to help. And to set up, like, effectively a triangle moving backwards against Giannis every time he touches the ball, that's a that's a big ask. You're you're really demanding the team to to work hard intellectually and physically. And but the Raptors, they did a great job of that early on. And throughout the game, honestly, they did an awesome job of that. They did give up three pointers, but their closeouts were so good and the type of, you know, contest they were putting on the passes to those three-pointers they're creating I guess it would be off kilter a little bit like when you receive a pass from somebody who's passing you the ball you like to get in the pocket the Raptors were creating angles to the players that were receiving the passes so that the angles well they weren't getting the pass in the pocket let's say they're making them catch it around you know like their knees outside of their body to the left to the right above their head so that they had to reset to the shooting pocket and the Raptors' closeouts could get there in time. After the closeouts, they are also doing a terrific job of funneling the players into help defense or just into bad shots. It was a very, very encouraging game for the Raptors in that way. And the Bucks definitely shot the ball not as well as, you know, we've seen them shoot it this year. They've been one of the best teams shooting a three-pointer all year. They take a ton of them. And the Raptors, you know, variance was on their side off the start. The Raptors shot great from downtown. Milwaukee shot bad. And that that built the lead early for the Raptors. And that was something that that they, I guess, failed to build upon in a way. The second half, it seemed like the only counterpunch that the Raptors had. And yeah, we're moving on to the second half now. 
it seemed like the only counterpunch that the Raptors had was Kyle Lowry in the second half. And Kyle Lowry was incredibly good in the second half, and I mean that. He was just so damn good. There was this one play where he ran two pick and rolls and a dribble handoff, and then he darted, did a wheel screen out to the back corner, caught the th- caught the pass, and then cashed in a triple. All on the same play. Just violent, aggressive moving on offense, really making sure that even though Bledsoe is doing a great job defending him, that he's making sure that he can get the ball. It's something that is not often associated with superstars, is this relentless work ethic off the ball to get yourself open. It's what makes Steph Curry so special, is that, yes, he he can create his own shot, and he's terrific, but the way he runs off screens makes him look like Rip Hamilton circa 2006, something like that. Like, Kyle Lowry was, his off-ball motion today was awesome, and that's why Marcus Hall wasn't completely ineffective in that way, but Marcus Hall's passivity looking for his own shot, a bit problematic. The same thing, the very same thing that the 76ers did, and I'll speak about how the offense dried up in the second half for guys who weren't Kyle Lowry, same thing that happened, well, especially in the fourth quarter, let's say, the same thing that happened in the Philly series where, you know, guys, they kind of, they sag off of Marcus Gasol, when Kawhi Leonard, when Pascal Siakam start probing into the paint, they're starting to meet a lot of bodies, kind of how the Raptors had it with Giannis, except Giannis is the guy you sag off of. So he has to, he has it harder than, you know, even Kawhi and Pascal had. So you have a bunch of guys waiting in the paint. We all know that Kawhi wants to get into the paint, that Siakam wants to get in the paint. They definitely don't want to be shooting jump shots late in the game. They, w- they want to get to the bucket. And and rightly so. I mean, there's they're tired. It's tough to get a lot of jumpers up all game. They both took over 20 shots. I think I think Kawhi ended up taking 26. Pascal was probably around 20. They it, they were really tireless. They tried their best, but it was clear that the Bucks their defense started working better towards the end because a Leonard and Siakam they didn't have as much zip as they did earlier on in the game. B, they weren't able to hunt the same mismatches because I well for some reason the Bucks, you know, they just decided that they were gonna play Lopez all game and for some reason the Raptors they weren't going to punish Lopez and on one of the last plays of the game that ended up being kind of a the dagger wasn't even a shot that the Bucks made, but it was Leonard attacking Lopez downhill and just getting the ball stripped. That's a that's a heartbreaker because Lopez came in. I'm pretty sure he had 29 points in this game. He was a big problem for the Raptors defensively, and he, he had quite a few blocks as well. So the fact that he couldn't be attacked off the pick and roll or downhill was a bit of a problem. When he's on the move, he is not a good rim defender. When he's standing still and he gets to take a step into help side defense, he's an extremely good rim protector. So you have to get him in motion. Pretty much the same thing that you know any team tries to do with Gasol. And what we like to see Gasol doing, if Gasol get, has, gets a foot in the paint and he's rotating, then he looks then he looks like 2013. He looks like Defensive Player of the Year nominee. The Raptors need to find a way to attack Lopez, similarly to how the Bucks figured out how to attack Gasol. That's pretty much what happened at the end of the game. Is there was that juxtaposition of those two things happening for those two teams? Is the Bucks figured out how to break get the breakdowns on Gasol? And the Raptors weren't able to create those same advantages against Lopez in the pick and roll, DHO, what have you. 
DHO for dribble handoff, by the way. Um, yeah, so things like that happened, and it's you know it's disappointing. The Raptors they they played a good game. I'm I'm not disappointed with any way they played the game. I thought their defense, most importantly, was like really great. I thought they did a great job of manning up and really being very disciplined. We we didn't see very many stupid fouls. We saw Norm Powell miss a box out that got Miritich like free throws. That that's a thing. But you know Norm Powell hit a couple triples in this one. Fred Van Vliet hit a mid range jumper. I think he finished with two points, which. Still waiting for that guy. Really still waiting for that guy to come around. But Norm Powell playing, hitting a couple of triples, that's huge. That's more than the Raptors have had in four or five games, honestly. So there was that's the thing, is if the Raptors played this game against the Philadelphia 76ers, and mind you, it just it's not the same. The 76ers are a much, much different matchup. But if the Raptors play, you know, shoot 36% from downtown against the 76ers, they probably win by 10 or 15, especially if they're hitting 15 threes in the game or something of, of that order, right? So there's there's so much to like from this game. It's just the Bucks. they're, man, they're a good team. They are a very good team. If, you know, it's, it's anytime somebody tries to take off the resident champs, you have to see how they do it first. So I, I, I'd hate to say that the Bucks will have you know, a shot at dethroning the Warriors if they get there. But, man, they look good. They look really, really good. And the fact that they played that type of game, Giannis struggled. He didn't have his quote-unquote superstar game. And neither did Kawhi, mind you. But having guys like Lopez step up, Brogdon. And, you know, Lopez is capable of this. I, I sincerely, if anybody is talking to you after the game and they say, you know, this is a wasted Lowry game. Yes, it is, but also Lowry is more reliable than Lopez is. If if you've been paying attention to the, the Bucks this year, Lopez is not giving you 29 very often. He's rarely this impactful. I mean, he's a good player. He's a very good player, and he's a great pickup for that team. But he's this is not what you're going to see from Lopez usually. At least I don't think so. He, he was a heat pump. So things like that happen. I would expect a closer game like this for Lowry going forward than than for Lopez. But yeah, my God, this was a, a super fun game to watch. Really, really high-level basketball. It's it's a disappointment that the Raptors didn't come away with this one. But man, it was, it was great basketball. It was fun basketball to watch. The Mitchell Robinson Award, which goes to the other team's villain, has to be uh, Brooke Lopez. He, he was great. And he was very villainous in the way that he, you know, he had a lot of back-breaking shots against the Raptors. 101-101, he hits the three to go up. 104, he had the dunk to make it, you know, 101 to 100. A lot of things, a lot of moving parts for the Bucks. Having him stand out, you know, even a couple feet away from the three-point line as this big beacon who can hit 40% from downtown on a very voluminous amount of attempts, then that's that's great to have in your offense, especially as a release valve, if he's going to shoot it as well as he shot tonight. And so a hero for the Bucks, but a villain for the Raptors. The Reggie Evans Award, obviously going to go to Kyle Lowry. Uh, I've showered him in praises this whole podcast, but it wasn't just his shooting. His defense was awesome. He he was getting, you know, he, he 
we all know what Kyle Lowry's like. He gets in all the dirty places. He gets loose balls. He gets deflections. He gets steals. He gets he takes charges. He's always boxing out. He gets rebounds. He has no business getting. He saves balls from going out of bounds. And having his three-pointer stack on top of those already fantastic intangibles just makes him one hell of a player. And tonight it was a really it was a, a major treat to watch him play that type of game. It's for all the people who've been watching the Raptors for some time now, it's we haven't seen this type of Lowry for for a long time. And that's not to say that he's bad now or anything like that, but my goodness, it's just been a while since we've had that type of scoring punch. The quick reaction comment from DS Lost opportunity, they controlled the game from start until Nurse played three reserves against their starters at the beginning of the fourth, and they never recovered. The MFR hasn't learnt one lesson from the first two rounds. Uh, it sucks having to play reserves, especially when they're as bad as the reserves have been for the Raptors, but the Raptors played heavy minutes, man. It's a game one. Pascal paid 42 minutes, Kawhi 42 minutes, Kyle 40 minutes, Mark 39 Danny Green, who was pretty bad the whole game, played 35. You have, like, other guys have to play. That's that's just how it has to happen. Kawhi was dead in the fourth quarter, even with the rest, so I can't imagine what that might have looked like if he hadn't gotten rest. You know, a full, a fresh Kyle, or sorry, a fresh Kawhi Leonard does not get stripped by Brooke Lopez on the third last offensive possession of the game for the Raptors. He he goes up, he probably finishes at the rim, like off the glass or at the front of the rim, something like that. He's he's dog tired. He's he he had to deal with a lot of defense in that game and the Raptors, you have to play your you have to play your bench. They can't go and play the starting five 48 minutes. That's just not feasible. That's not realistic. So, I don't think this is on Nurse. I think that's just a realistic flaw of the of the team. You know, that's that's all it is. Is It's not Nurse's fault that he played his bench like a combined, honestly, a combined like less than 40 minutes. The bench, the whole bench played less than 40 minutes. The whole game combined between the three of them. It's not a lot of minutes. Nurse, he, he let his starters go for it. And it's not like he can just play Kawhi for the whole game or even Kyle for the whole game. And they all played within eight minutes of playing the full game. So... It's game one. It's game one they almost stole in Milwaukee. If they lose this thing in five, it's going to suck. And we're going to say, oh, man, had they been able to take game one? Yeah, totally. If they win game two or game three, we are not going to care. We're definitely not going to care about this game. So we'll see going forward. But I, geez, I do not blame Nick Nurse for playing the bench. He's He made good decisions in game seven. I liked his decisions in this game. The Bucks, they're just they're a very, very good team. The margin to to win is is pretty slim against them. They have they have a, a guy in Giannis that is inevitable and will make things happen. His passing was superb in this game. They're just they're tough to stop. Brooke Lopez had twenty nine points. Brogdon had a plus eighteen and however many minutes he played, like twenty two, something like that. So there's a lot of things the Raptors have to contend with. It's that's just how it rolls, man. Uh, I don't blame Nurse for this one at all. Just the Bucks are good. The Raptors they didn't have much else outside of Lowry going towards the end, and 
you know, that's just how it shakes out. Um, if you guys are enjoying this, I'm so happy. And whenever you get around to listening to this, whether it's, you know, during the day or the night of, whenever it happens, have a blessed day, have a blessed night, and goodbye. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face, and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.